Hey guys, welcome back to the Your Mental Health is a Priority podcast. My name is Madeline and I'm joined by Alex who co-runs the Your Mental Health is a Priority Instagram account with me. We are happy to have you guys back. This is only our second real episode. We did an introduction episode, then we introduced a topic last week. Now this is going to be our official second episode, so super exciting, and we have some special guests with us, so that's really exciting as well. So I will let you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves, and then we'll kind of get into conversation a little bit. Sure. Well, first of all, first and foremost, thank you, Madeline. Thank you, Alex, for having us on here. Uh, very honored to be on and kind of get to share our story a little bit. My name is Matt Kovacis. Um, How do I want to introduce myself? I... Yeah, graduated from the University of Illinois in 2017. I'm 28 years old. And I've gone over the last year and a half, starting about a year and a half ago, down quite a transformative journey, if you will, of self-acceptance, self-healing, um, self-discovery. And it's also kind of what led to the creation of the sign behind us, if you're watching a video, which is The Men in the Arena, uh, which is a podcast we both started, me and MD, uh, in February. Um, and really, again, stemmed out of my kind of journey with mental health, my struggles, and kind of getting to the other side, if you will, and wanting to then help other people uh, with their mental health as well. So um, I'm a corporate banker by day, but um, that's certainly not how I would identify myself. Um, I, I'm very passionate about mental health, um, helping other people, uh, service, and really just seeing other people blossom. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, and my name's Mike. Um, at times I'll go by my initials with those closest to me, MD, so if you hear that if you tune into one of our episodes. Um, I, like Matt, uh, graduated from the University of Illinois. Um, it's actually where we became friends. We both transferred to the school our sophomore year of college. Um, and so, um, you know, I've known and been, you know, pretty good friends uh, with Matt for now nine years. Um, we'll attest to a lot of his transformation, but also in the role modelship um, for my own transformation uh, over like the last you know year or so, I think um, just seeing him on his journey, uh, experience his breakthroughs, um, and really uh, kind of step into a new light, if you will, has really you know I think one been motivating, but two, it's just been purely educational for myself to understand like the importance of self development, mental health, um, where my own deficiencies are. Um, how can I grow? And it really put me on like a self-development kick, if you will. And I think I you know, started to read a lot of those self-dev type books. Um, if you know me, I'm not a big reader. And so this, you know, this topic clearly captured me a bit. And so, you know, with Matt, just um, thought we'd pick up a microphone, pick up, uh, you know, starting a podcast about some of the conversations we were having. I think in large part because we noticed such a gap um, in what we've learned and what we know versus, you know, what we've kind of been brought up with um you know in the multiple arenas or environments that we've been in so it's a little bit about myself i i guess more about myself i'm a sales manager um you know so i'm also very equally passionate about coaching development um, i work with entry-level professionals which is uniquely fun for me is you know getting people you know at the, at the point where they're kick-starting their careers um so i've always been passionate about coaching and development and, and i think that's where you know self-development has, has offered me a crossroads to really look into for my own self-growth so i you also find i talk a lot so that's my introduction <laughs> <laughs> no you're totally fine i absolutely love that i tend to go on tangents where i just talk and talk and talk forever and i you know alex gives me a little signal and he's like no, but I am super, super excited to have you guys on. It was such an honor 
um, to be on y'all's podcast, you know, back in May, I think it was, we had a great conversation and I, you know, heard from followers and I think they really enjoyed that as well. And, you know, you love to hear that. And, and so if you're listening and you don't already follow them, you should definitely check out their episodes. They have a lot of special guests on as well, which is... Go listen to Madeline. It was outstanding. <laughs> Madeline's a great human being and uh, it's it's well worth the listen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I did enjoy, I did enjoy that one as well. I want to say though, last week, Alex and I, we introduced our first topic, which basically was just the basis of mental health. And to me, it was important to kind of kickstart our first topic as, you know, what is mental health? What does mental health mean to you? And Alex and I both kind of shared our perspective of what mental health is. We also went really like deep into the topic of what, like what goes on in your brain when you have these mental health conditions and what parts of your brains do they develop, how things happen. And so to me, that was an important thing just because I think it, you know, just understanding what you go through and what's happening in your brain and in your body when you're dealing with things is a like essential part of kind of overcoming them. So my first question to both of you, and you guys can just kind of go back and forth with your answers is just, I want to know, like, what does having a passion for mental health mean to you? Like when you hear mental health, what is the first thing you think of? And what does it mean to kind of have a passion for the, the broad topic of mental health in general? Yeah, I like wanted to start answering before I even finish an- asking the question because my eyes, my my heart lights up when I hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, to me, it's important in the passion is really developed through my own experiences. Like I, I think when you've gone through some really dark times and really like hit rock bottom, if you will, you know, it's really unpleasant to be in that position. And, and kind of what it's like first in, to experience it firsthand. And so um, in getting in kind of getting to the other side, if you will, and when I say that, I mean, I'm still a, a human, I'm a work in progress, like I'm constantly working on myself, I'm by no means perfect, but I, I was able to work through what I need to work through as it relates to accepting my sexuality, which was a place of huge shame, embarrassment, guilt, etc, which, which, again, was the basis for a lot of um, you know, the anxiety I experience are in, in kind of my mental health struggles. Um, and so in getting to that other side of, of just an, an improved clarity and vision and purpose, I, I just wanted, I, I didn't want to see anyone else struggle, I guess. Like I would see even friends, family, others just walking down the street. And for me, it's pretty clear now when someone's not doing great and, and I wanted to, I wanted to help them. Um, but what I realized, so I'd tell them, go to therapy, do it, do it. It's so good. But Everyone's at a, at a different part in their journey um, of life, of, of of their mental health, of of whatever it might be. And so, what I had to realize is that people—the only person that's going to force someone to change—is themselves. Um, but what I could do, and what I can do, is be open about my experiences, be vulnerable about it um, through this podcast, through just everyday life. I talk about therapy like I talk about going to the gym. If someone asks what I'm doing. Like on Thursday, I'll tell them, hey, I've got therapy at six o'clock and I'm doing this. Like I'm just trying to normalize that that topic. Um, and so to me, I think I'm just extremely passionate about it because um, I just know the impact that it's it's completely transformed my life, like addressing it head on. I, I'm in positions that I thought I would never, ever be in. I feel like I found my purpose. I feel like I found the direction I want to take my life through Um self-acceptance and self-discovery and self-healing and and it's extremely painful at times but um the other side is extremely beautiful you know i'd say um 
you know, the passion and what mental health to me is, you know, I guess the passion for it uh, is more so, I would say, driven by curiosity. Um, I really value learning. I, I think knowledge is power. And I think mental health is one of those things that is um, yet to be fully learned and understood. And especially at a scale, when you think about the world at large, it's this newer topic. And so I think there's excitement just from understanding that there's a a, an evolved understanding of our own minds and, and what that means and also the detriments of what you know life can be like when you don't understand that. And I would equate it to, as I've learned more about it, whether it's through Matt and like just seeing how he's grown through his journey in it and you know my own sort of journey with that. Um, I don't know if you're all familiar with like the allegory of the cave, um, but it's essentially these people that live in like a false reality they see like shadows and shapes of animals in the cave, you know, of a reflection of light. Somebody goes out of the cave and actually sees these animals in real life and sees the actual world for what it really is. And I would equate, you know, learning and understanding mental health is almost like I've started to see the world very differently. I've started to understand myself, the world around me in a much clearer sense. And I think Matt alluded to clarity. I would echo that as when there is that level of clarity that we don't even know is possible. And as I started to uncover some of that, well, my curiosity went through the roof, right? And so, you know, I will be going and seeing a therapist and I'm going to go and start practicing therapy and working on my mental health, less from a place of, I think I really need this, I'm in a bad spot, but more from a place of like, there's so much clarity to be had. There's so much more to be learned and more to know about how we think, how we feel and, and all of our day-to-day -day interactions and behaviors. And then... You know, that's what I think about when I think mental health is a just a, a heightened sense of clarity. I think it's an understanding of the negative states of consciousness versus the positive ones and where they stem from and all the dots, and how they connect. It's, it's truly fascinating and also very passionate about the fact that I just noticed such a gap um, between, you know, how, how broadly and how, how well known that is and how clear it is when somebody could, could really stand to gain from it. So just feels like uh, something that is worth talking about. The only other thing I'll just add on there, if I could really dumb it down is, or to me is, um, I want to be around more people that are healed and are um, self-aware and are comfortable with themselves and authentic. And um, if I, if by me being open and by sharing my experiences about mental health and um, admitting when I'm having a bad day, admitting when I'm not okay, like if that's going to help lead to more healed individuals, like that's what the world I want to, uh, that's the world I want to be a part of. Um, cause you can tell when people are struggling or insecure and judgmental, like those are not people that I care to spend my time around. It's, I'm not judging them, but I'm just going to choose to put myself in a different environment. And I absolutely agree there. Um, because I know we spoke a little bit about that on both the live that we did and your podcast when we spoke about, you know, you can feel when, when an environment feels judged. And for anyone who struggles with anything, whether it be, you know, mental health related or not, that's not necessarily somewhere that you want to be, you know, I think it's hard enough already when, when we're dealing with these things and, you know, having that like environment or that person or something like that, that makes you feel, you know, invalid in your feelings and things like that is obviously not comfortable, but I did like how you brought up about, you know, you, you 
incorporate these, you know, like I'm going to therapy today because I was always the same way. And I think in high school, there was this one time when, you know, a group of people that I didn't really hang out with that much invited me to hang out. And I was like, oh, I can't, I have therapy tonight. Or their response was just like, oh, like you don't have, we didn't need to know that. It's like, well, why not? You know, like, why not? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And so I think that that's great. And, you know, we talk about vulnerability and all those kind of things. And that comes with sharing your story and getting out there and using your voice. And that, I mean, obviously is very important and crucial to having a part in these mental health advocacy. So I love that. I mean, there's, 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 there's no shame in facing your demons. If you're, if you're really struggling, um, and then there's also no shame in w working on yourself. Like therapy can be a, a tool to work on yourself. It can be a place um, when you're in a really bad spot and you're facing your biggest fears. But to me, that's courage, that's strength. That's um, that's the opposite of what a lot of people, and I think we're getting in a better direction, but that's what a lot of people perceive as quote unquote weak. Yeah. Um, so if if I can tell someone I'm going to therapy, I feel no shame around. And if, and if someone's judging me again, that's to me, that's more of a reflection on the other individual than it is on me. I, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. And I was like, I was going to say, and I think you should be intentional about opportunities to normalize it, you know, much like I, I can't, I'm going to a soccer game, right? Like I can't, I'm going to therapy. It should just be that normal. So, you know, I, I would agree with the, the intention around it. Yeah, no, I agree as well. I think that that's super important. And, you know, especially I, we're going to get into like the topic of men's mental health a little bit more later in the episode, but I do think that, you know, coming from you guys, especially that is important as well, because it, it does show that like men struggle with mental health too. And I know that's a huge stigma, but Matt specifically, I have a question for each of you. We spoke in a live earlier, you know, this year during Pride Month, we did a live surrounded around Pride Month, which I loved and I thought was great. Very eye-opening for me and for others who are watching as well. But I, I'm going to let Alex touch a little bit more on that. But I just want to ask you, like, you know, we talked about your coming out story and being a part of the LGBTQ+. And I knew that that played, you know, a little bit of a role in starting the podcast and everything like that. So I guess, like, my my question would be, what would be your advice to other people you know, that may be in the same situation or, you know, dealing with how do I say this or how do I kind of come out and, and tell people because obviously that does have an effect on your mental health. Yeah, that's that's a loaded question, Madeline. Um, <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's 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 very dependent on so many factors, um, unfortunately. But what I would say is um, first and foremost, I think one uh, it's totally to, to totally validate it, um, to totally validate that individual and whatever that is that they're struggling with. Um, I think it's extremely important to do that because coming out is it, it was and hopefully is the hardest thing I ever have to do um, in my life. And now, like living my truth is another set of challenges, a beautiful one, but it, but it's not, it just it adds to the challenges. Um, I would say find uh, a very close friend, someone you trust whether that's, you know, a family member, a friend. Um, and this is at the point where we're assuming that this person is ready, I guess, to come out like they're still so fearful of the idea. And, it, you know, they can't imagine doing it, but they are they've quote unquote hit rock bottom and they're ready to make that next step. I would say find um, someone you really trust. And if you, there's no one that you feel like you can trust as it relates to family member, loved one, mentor, whatever it might be, um, I would say hire a therapist, go to a therapist. Because I know for me, that's why therapy has been so transformative for me, because 
you know, I, I told my sisters first and foremost, I texted them and I was, you know, bawling my eyes out as I texted them and they actually thought I was joking. That's how well I had hit it. And I tell my sisters everything. But after that, telling them I went to therapy and the only reason I was able to open up, if you will, and really address everything that I needed to address my past, why I was the way I was, was because I legally knew that they could not tell anyone. And I tell my therapist to that day like that, that, you know, and I have such a great relationship with her now, but that's for me personally, what helped me tremendously was this person can't go tell anyone. So I might as well, and they're licensed to help in like a field in, in this way. So I might as well just, you know, open up. And so that that's what I would recommend. Find someone you really trust. If there's no one that you feel like you trust, that's totally valid. Like I, I really didn't either other than my sisters and it didn't really do much for me. Like I was able to tell them, but then it really, there was nowhere to go from there. And so I would say hire, hire a licensed professional. That's what they're there for. Um, they're here, they're there to listen. They're there to understand you. Um, and it's a very safe space. I love that. Yeah. And I, I encourage therapy. I mean, even when it's different circumstances, I mean, like we touched on a little bit before, I think therapy is beneficial, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the therapy train. I'm, I'm all about it, but I think it's, I think it's particularly important for coming out, you know, like yeah. I, I, because there's at least for me and I, I'm assuming so many others, there's such a fear of being judged and viewed differently um, that a therapist is just not going to do. And if you find, if you, you know, find one that does, you can always go get another one. Like I'm very lucky that my first therapist I connected with, but I know that's often not the case. And so I would just encourage, don't be discouraged if the first one you go to and you just really don't feel comfortable. There's, there's always others out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's, I think that that's one of those things and I've, I've pointed people cause I do, you know, I'm very open about my acceptance and, and how I'm an ally for the LGBTQ you know, community. And so um, I've had people like come to me and be like, Hey, like, how do I deal with this? And I always recommend therapy as like a first step because I have people that are in my family that have dealt with the same thing and they have found their peace and their clarity within, within therapy and those kind of things. And so I always try, I'm like, I know like it's hard because you sit down with someone complete stranger. You have to tell them about, I mean, arguably the hardest time of your life. And that's not easy for anyone, but I do think that that vulnerability, like coming back to the vulnerability part, I think that that's super important. But kind of shifting focus just a little bit, I did want to touch on this. So I know you guys are a little bit older than Alex and me. And so you were in high school, obviously, before we were. But I just wanted to ask, like, what was the topic of mental health like in high school when you were in high school? Like, what did what did mental health look like? What was the topic of conversation? Because I know that our society is becoming more accepting of an understanding of people, but there's still, there's still those people who aren't at all. And there's still people who are older than us that maybe like are our parents age who like, are like, no, we didn't have that, you know? So it's that kind of thing. So I just, I, I wanted to ask what was it like then? And what, how do you think it's improved? Like, in what ways do you think it's improved since your experience? Really good question. You know, if I think back to high school, it felt, and I'm just trying to put myself back in that classroom. Um, it felt so foreign, like a foreign agent, you know, just so misunderstood because I think about if somebody were depressed or if somebody, you know, and I think in high school, like they find different ways to channel it, right? Like you maybe, you know, wear a hoodie and you're like goth or, you know, like you start to get into like certain types of music or like you start to associate with different types of crowds. And like, you know, I think those people probably not equipped with how to manage through some of the mental health issues they all of a sudden start to 
embody a certain identity in high school in some ways and it's like they're maybe less popular and like you almost stay away from those people and i was almost mm -hmm. like scared of them not scared of them but like drawn away from them or pushed away from them just because i didn't understand it it felt foreign you know like anything foreign um you just you're more hesitant and because we're so young at that point um it, it's just it's not understood enough and so like that's that's the best way i can maybe describe it um and I, I think it just goes back to like how many parents right of that generation are properly you know and adequately equipping and educating their children appropriately right so i think we were doing the best we could with really no knowledge and just like anything in high school everything becomes a click or a social circle and you know yep. you kind of push those people off to the side if you're suffering if you're different if you feel like an outcast there's likely something there and you know i think we're all dealing with our own things but then it's all about you know social validation external validation self-abandonment i think that's essentially how i went through high school was like how do i be loved and popular by everybody who cares about i don't have my all my values figured out at this point etc so right i don't know it's maybe a soupy thought there but no i mean it's a it's a really good question i mean i was very disconnected from myself in high school i think a lot of people probably were um but I, I agreed. I'd started nodding my head when MD mentioned uh, just the generation that we were like our parents. It was just such a foreign concept, I think, to them. And therefore, it was never really imparted on to us um, growing up. And so if if a mental health advocate came in to my high school back in 2012 or 2013, I wouldn't have listened to a word they said. Like, I, I just, like, it, it, it wasn't imp deemed important to me. It wouldn't have been cool, quote unquote, to actually care to ask a question, to raise my hand. And so I, I, I would have quickly uh, went away from, I just wouldn't have taken an interest in it. What I will say is I do think we've come a long way. And while not high school, I will say like my fraternity that we were in. So this was only, you know, we graduated in 2017 you know, fast forward six years now, they have um, a mental health chair uh, as part. So we, you know, we have social chairs, a president of the, the fraternity, and they and they did not have this. I mean, even six years ago, it, mental health uh, was, was again, like viewed as a stigma uh, in our fraternity. It was not cool to talk about your mental health. It was something you would repress if you were struggling, but they have a mental health chair now that will um, go and talk to kids that they think are struggling and, and it's, you know, very confidential or any of the, the members in the fraternity can go up to them and say, hey, I'm not doing well. And it's all confidential. They also have a, a sponsorship or a partnership with BetterHelp where the kids can, where the members can get therapy at a discounted rate. So that's very encouraging to me to see. I really do think we're taking uh, strides to improve uh, mental health and just normalize it. But yeah, I mean, back when we were there, I mean, it was, again, it was such a taboo topic and I would have, I wouldn't even get it at the time of day. I can remember when I was a freshman in high school, which was in 2018, we had an organization that was, you know, stemmed out of our town that was mental health related come to our, to talk to us. And I could not like tell you one thing probably when I walked out. And at the time I had just thought, you know, like, mental health is not that important. And people, you know, I just, I just had a different view on it. And it was only a couple months later when I had, you know, started dealing with 
anxiety and because it was my freshman year of high school when everything kind of like first started. And so that was the first thing I thought of when I started dealing with these things. And I was like, man, like if I would have listened or if I would have taken notes, like maybe I would be, you know, feel better equipped to kind of be able to deal with this. And now that I'm in the classroom and I'm talking to students with an organization, I tell them, I'm like, look, I was once the ninth, the ninth grade student that you are sitting here, not listening and just happy that you don't have to go over coursework today in your class. And as soon as I say that, they like perk their heads up. Like you can tell they're like, oh, wait, you know, and I'm like, but this is important stuff. And this is stuff that I wish I would have listened to, or I wish I would have written down, or I wish I would have cared about because there are so many people that just mask what they're going through and they hide it because they're ashamed and they're embarrassed. And I think a lot of that, like, you know, coming back to a point that I've made several times is that I think that that just comes from lack of knowledge. And, you know, I've had conversations with my grandma. I've had conversations with my dad. My dad lived with undiagnosed anxiety for 30 years. It wasn't until I started talking about mental health that he was like, oh my gosh, I need to go to the doctor. Like something's wrong with me. And so I think obviously, you know, talking about it and having these conversations plays a huge role in education and I wish there was more of that you know in high schools and stuff like that but I was gonna say I feel like we'll know we've made it or at least a giant step forward when mental education is in the curriculum alongside physical education you know and maybe some more classroom aspect to that but doing mental exercises right to really break down insecurity and a lot of the different things that you're going through in high school but just across even elementary school and you can find ways to I think establish a curriculum of it um, at different grade levels. Right. No, I agree. And that's something that obviously I don't have, I wish I had control over in more than just my state, but with working with the organization that I work for with NAMI and, and we're, we're pushing for that, at least in South Carolina right now, we're really trying because I think if you learn about physical education and you have to take it for a whole semester, you should have to take mental health education. I think that it should be required. And I think that not only should we learn about what these things are, but we should learn about what happens in our brain when these things happen, because that's important. And people walk around thinking that they have this like deadly illness because they have depression. And it's honestly so sad. And I was once that kid. And that's why I'm like advocating. I'm like, come on, like we need to have this. But yeah, so I that was that was um, definitely an important topic because I obviously know that my parents, like when they were growing up, didn't really didn't really have that kind of stuff. But my last question before I kind of like let Alex talk to you guys and ask his questions is just I want you to kind of share your success journey and what success has looked like for you. Um, and I think that you know this is obviously another broad question, but. I always tell students, I'm like, you know, success, you, you make your own definition of success um, and everyone's success looks different. So, you know, I just, what, like, what do you, what is a success in your life to kind of give someone else an example that like, Hey, I can go through this or, Hey, I can deal with things and still be successful. Yeah, I, I get, no, it's a great question. I, I love the question. I think success can be defined in so many different ways and it's unique to the individual for me success. Um, I mean, you know, of course, coming out was I'm extremely proud of that. And that will forever be close to my heart. But for me, success now is totally surrendering, surrendering to my truth and living my truth. Um, if I can do that, I, I deem myself living a successful life. And so to me, that's really um, living my purpose, which I feel at this point is to just uh, to, to serve and help others with their mental health. And so, you know, I'm on a 
fabulous, beautiful, challenging journey of trying to live that every single day and every moment that I can. So um, working to become a life coach and helping others find fulfillment, under, you know, understand who they really are, what really fills them up, not what society tells them is going to make them successful, but what they view as successful. It's really actually that is like helping others define what success looks like for them, not what their parents or whomever told them. So um, for me, success is um, living my truth, living life authentically. And uh, wherever that takes me, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know where I'll be in two years. I don't know where I'll be in five years, but I think that's the beauty of life. And I know I'm on the right path and I know life will take me where I'm supposed to be. So to me, that's, that's living successfully. Love that. Echo a lot of that. Um, success, um, I'll often measure it by growth, you know, directionally, progress. Is the arrow green? Is it plus one, right? And um, essentially, are we avoiding complacency? I would say one of the areas of growth that has felt the most successful um, has been growing more towards living my true, authentic self. Um, my story. Um, you know, much like Matt and his sexuality, my story is around more so sobriety. Um, you know, I would say when I was four years old, I had a kidney surgery, kidney reflux surgery, almost lost my left kidney. I now have what's considered chronic left kidney disease, which is a condition of a kidney that's never going to get better. It can only get worse. The only thing I can do is prolong its function and keep it as functioning as long as possible. That being said, you know, I would avoid, you know, drinking as advised by doctors is to keep as hydrated as possible. It's the best thing I could do for myself. Um, I did not drink throughout high school. I caved in in college. I was looking for social acceptance. I was looking to seek external validation. I wanted to fit in. I joined a fraternity in a Big Ten school. It's like the drinking Olympics. Um, and, you know, I pushed myself to be, quote unquote, a tank. You know, I wanted to drink as much as possible. I wanted to be with the big dogs, if you will. Right? And I really got caught up in that. And that's as much as I've ever abandoned my true self, because the reality is, is anytime I picked up an alcoholic beverage and sipped it, I never did so with a clear state of mind. I always did so feeling like I was betraying ultimately my my condition and like ultimately, you know, betraying my my sense of health, right? Myself and, and for what, right? And the compromises I was making. And so success for me, I'm, I'm 28 now. I turned 28 in May. I haven't picked up an alcoholic beverage since March of this year. So after, as of the last seven or so months, um, have not sipped any alcohol. I don't miss it one bit. I mean, I obviously miss the social environments that came along with it. I still try to partake in that, but I think, you know, I had an attempt in doing that in 2021 was too insecure, uh, did not appreciate some of the feedback I'd get from the social circles I grew up in for obvious reasons. Again, there's that acceptance piece, but I think accepting and loving myself, my condition, understanding that I want to do things with a clear state of mind, understanding that if Matt could come out with a sexuality, I could probably also give up booze. Um, so, you know, I think having somebody like a Matt, having what he alluded to earlier is so important is having the right people who want the best for you, regardless of what that looks like. We're going to support you in a positive direction. I realized that that needs to be my social circle if I'm going to have one. And so, you know, I started with maybe, you know, a friend of one, if you will, um, in terms of support system around that. Yeah, I'll just say one other thing. If you want to feel just like, if you want to build confidence, which is different from success, but when you face your fear, if you're, if you, if you're going to start, try to do something and you start feeling fear creep in, um, 
understand, take a step back and uh, understand why you're feeling that fear. What is causing you to face that fear or what's causing the fear to come in? Understand, is it logical? Is it, is there some irrationality to it? And then crazy step of all, push through that discomfort and go do it. Because if, if your heart is telling you to do it, if this is something you know you want to do, go do it anyway. And um, the confidence that will come from that uh, is immeasurable. And so you had mentioned like, what can people do? Like do that, go find something that you really enjoy doing or something that you haven't done because you're afraid of being judged or whatever it might be. Understand that, validate it, but understand that you're stronger than that, that fear that's creeping in and go do that thing anyway. And um, I, I, I would love to hear about the story because I mean, people become invincible that way. So go try that guys. That's my yeah. piece. No, absolutely. And I, I, you guys are both honestly like a huge inspiration. And I think um, both of your stories kind of can relate with, you know, people who are listening. And I, I just, and that, that's like the three of us, because Alex will share his story as well, but like his success story, but the three of us, you know, are a perfect example of like, we can be successful and, and, and have success and see success. And, and, you know, be doing something totally different. Um, and that's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, you know, two years ago today, I could not sit in a high school classroom. Like I couldn't, I did online school. I did school from home. You know, I stopped, you know, going to school, but now I go to high school classrooms where it was once too hard to go and talk to students. And that is obviously what success looks like for me and being out on the other side of everything. So that, you know, everyone's success story looks different. And that was kind of the point. It's just, you know, you can be successful and have these things. You can be successful and, and you know, be battling different things. I mean, I, I'm still, as I mean, as Matt, especially, you, you know, we've mentioned all of us have just been like, you know, we're still going through all these things like every day. Like we're not perfect. We're not healed by any sense, but it definitely is, you know, inspiring to understand that like they're still going through it, but they're, they're still doing what they want. They're still being successful and they're, you know, still living a, a happy life. So I will let Alex take over and just kind of, you know, ask you, ask you guys his questions that he has for y'all. Oh, real quick, that success is relative as well, right? Like I'll never compare my sobriety <laughs> to, you know, not having to come out in the environment that he's in, right? Like I just wouldn't do that, but in, in some ways, like I still view it as a success. It is, it is a success. I think the key point, which you pointed out, Madeline, is everyone's success looks different if you're doing it true to yourself. You know, you can talk about what success, oh, making a million dollars or buying a nice car. Anyone can do that. I think a lot of people that do that and then realize like, oh, this was what society told me success was. This isn't actually what success, fill, what fills me up. So um, I think you, by doing, by answering, by asking that question, you prove the point I think you were trying to make. Alrighty, thank you guys for coming on. It's truly an honor to have you guys here. But first and foremost, I just wanted to say that I am very proud of you guys. Like, as a man, being able to see others people, other people's success, being a man, and speaking out on those journeys and knowing and understanding how hard that, you know, possibly is, it means the world to me, but it means the world to so many other people. So thank you guys for that. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. Oh, sorry. Ugh. No, man, that's, that's that's real. You guys are seeing the real. This is real. I love it. This All right. is vulnerability. This is strength. So my first question would be: As men, what was the that speak on mental health? What is the what was the hardest step you guys took to be in this position? You want to start? You want me to start? I guess I'll start because it's, well, it's, <laughs> it, it's an easier it's an easy one for me. But yeah, I think um, the hardest thing I ever had to do 
was uh, send that text to my sisters that um, I was bisexual. You know, it, it was, I remember just sitting at my parents' home, sending the text message. I don't remember exactly what I said. I don't think I deleted it. So I'm going to go back after this and read it because um, <laughs> I'm curious, but I, we'll see if it brings up anything. But um, I just remember bawling my eyes out as I was texting because it was the first time that I had actually written it. Um, you know, I was going through saying it in my head a million times and like just shaming myself like, no, you're not this way. You're straight. You know, I tried, you know, I looked into that therapy that can supposedly, you know, make you straight, whatever it is. Like I tried everything and nothing. What I realized was going to change who I really was at my core. So uh, that first step was of telling my sisters and I'm just so, so grateful uh, for both of them to have just the two most supportive people uh, who also happen to be family um, I just attribute so much of what I've been able to do in terms of, you know, my self-discovery and self-acceptance, self-healing journey to the people around me. Um, I can't imagine what I would have, you know, what my life would look like if I didn't get the support I did. Um, that's not to say I wouldn't, I'd be okay either way, but uh, it's just, um, the, the power that being around others that support you and love you for who you are can have was, was truly immeasurable. So that, I think that was the hardest step. And then, you know, I'd say that for anyone that's struggling with coming out or whatever it is, um, just enjoy the ride because it, it's it's a really it's a painful one. It's a it's a roller coaster of up and downs. But um, some of the you know, I came out to a couple close people and I, I had so many different ideas of what they would say or what they would think. And I heard things that just gave so much empowerment to me like i'm proud of you i respect you more hearing those things about something that your biggest insecurity for your whole life will will quite literally change your life and it did mine so that that was an easy one for me but that was definitely the the hardest thing i've ever had to do so the hardest part just in my experiences is you know men we um whether it's how society values us, whether it's how we perceive value overall, that's a different topic of conversation, but strength is often, you know, physical strength is often very heavily associated with um, manhood and masculinity, right? And so we um, were taught how to only channel a couple of different emotions and usually they exercise physical strength like anger, right? And we get into fights and the arm wrestling and or it can get bigger and stronger and faster and better. Like that's where we place our value. Men, because of that and because of our lack of knowledge of the topic, like we talked about earlier, especially in the generations before us, before us and before us, we mistaken empathy and vulnerability and authenticity with weakness and you know for the first let's say 26 27 years of my life with all the self-abandonment that gets included in this you know i'm stacking brick and brick and brick day in and day out trying to prove my strength in such a false way and you know how much can i drink how many girls can i get with um how much bigger and more muscular can i get than the guy next to me um, how much can I let somebody's, you know, roasting not phase me and how can I, you know, clap back. Right. And like, there's just this false arena in which you exercise strength. And so the, t the hardest part is once you realize you get that clarity that we talked about, which is empathy, you know, and I think it really started to stand out to me when I moved from a fraternity type environment, not to disparage my fraternity experience too much, but 
when I went to a company that skews quite liberal politically, right, and just a more modern type of company where I start to engage in different social circles and they help me understand, like, how to empathize, how to truly empathize, how to empathize with those that face racial oppression, those that face sexuality oppression, those, you know, who are less privileged, what privilege is, what financial privilege is, those who are unsheltered, right, and how to really empathize and have compassion for those people. Well, I just spent the first however many years of my life, more than two decades, building up this identity of strength, and I'm still in a circle in which that's still perceived as strength. How do I divorce everything I've just built to now take a step into a direction that I actually feel is right? And that, to me, feels you may as be might as well be walking the wrong wrong way down like the walkways I have at airports, right? Like that's what it feels like for a man to actually, I think, you know, learn tools like empathy and authenticity and vulnerability, which is true strength, true manhood. And it's just really hard to do that when it's not conducive to the environment in which you initially tried to build your strength and, and your value. So I tried to articulate that the best. No, that, that connects with me a lot. I feel like in my personal experience, like before I got into this whole like mental health stuff, I guess, like when I was younger, like not too much younger, but when I was younger, I would always like, you know, have conversations with my friends and like they'd uh, practice stoicism, which is like where you don't, sh where you like go through your life and don't complain. And you try to show that you're, you know, you're the best person possible without showing your emotions. And I think that as a time now, like we are so far from that. Like, I think the hardest thing for generations now to understand is that it is not like that anymore. Um, it is perfectly okay for us to be in a spot we are and have emotions and feel because in my personal life, that's what made me being able to take that step down and realize that I don't have to be this picture that I'm just strong. I'm as strong as I can be. And it's, hearing you say that encourages me even more to take, you know, I, I have a short uh, trigger and, you know, things make me mad more times than they don't. But now I don't have to be like that. And I shouldn't be like that because I am allowed to have that soft spot in my heart. And I encourage any guy, anybody to do that. So thank you for Preach. sharing that. Preach Alex. Yeah. I mean, I think even, you know, now for me, it's like I post a lot more on social media. I'm trying to brand myself a little bit more, but more just I'm trying to put out good in the world and promote positivity and optimism. And like, even for me at first, it was a little uncomfortable, like posting heart emojis, you know, because I feel the love. Like I want to give off all this love, but it's like, oh, is that manly to post like a bunch of heart emojis with all my stuff? And it's like, no, like I'm going to do this. Like this is promoting what I really care about, which is which is more love in this world, less hate. So yeah, it, it, it's a constant. I realize how often it comes up in my life that I kind of have to relearn and rethink that like, this is okay to do. In fact, again, it, it shows to me that shows uh, authenticity. And like, I think there's so many guys in the world that have so much love that they've just blocked off uh, and they just refuse to um, release because it's perceived as not man enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that conversation we just had, I think, leads to the second question. Um, have you guys felt the stigma surrounding men's mental health? Yes, uh, for sure. Um, there's certainly, you know, although I will say this, there is a a real power in terms of, we've talked a little bit about it, but who you surround yourself with in your environment. Everyone that I choose to and i'm very intentional with my time now and who's in my circle because i know the impact that it can have and everyone in my circle um is 
very on board and very aligned with how I view mental health and how, and how I view vulnerability. You know, I've got other friends that are LB, LBGTQ. I've got um, other friends who have been to therapy and whatever, and we'll talk about it. And everyone that I now, um, again, like I, I like to say, I'm like creating, recreating my life. Like for the first 26 years, I was living a life that was created for me by society and, you know, family, friends, just what was deemed as normal. And now I'm recreating my life. And with that, I've chosen to put people in my circle that understand the importance of mental health, of self-care, of meditation. Um, like, yeah, I think there's for sure men's mental health, you know, like meditating, the act of meditating. I still, when I talk about it, I get people that kind of look at me funny um it's like yeah I, yeah I, I sit still i close my eyes you know if, if, if we had more time i'd do it right here you know and and i sit with so much stillness and so much peace and clarity and bliss you know for my heart after and so um if if that's weird if that's not cool if that's not normal I, again i'm okay with that um but there is for sure still a stigma absolutely and what i've learned uh is worked for me is less so to try and battle it with that individual because most of those people aren't willing to listen, aren't willing to empathize or hear the other side of the story and choose to surround myself with other people that do. Um, because I can't unfortunately heal everyone because not everyone wants to be healed, but I can put myself around people that do want to be healed and have a platform that allows me to speak to the world and those that want to listen and choose to grow will, will do so. And those that don't, won't. I would maybe nitpick the word choice the question and say I don't feel the stigma so much. You know, I think it's because I'll go back to that allegory of the cave. <laughs> you know, I, I know who's in the cave still and seeing a false reality and I know who's out of the cave and sees the world for what it really is and understands life for what it really is. Uh, and not to say that I truly understand life in some sort of like higher sense, but, you know, I just think that instead of letting the judgment be something I feel, right, I think once you've learned and you've built the, the right knowledge of mental health, once you've gained that clarity, you're almost pretty much impenetrable to some of the judgment too. And you almost just chalk it up to ignorance, right? Because you realize there's a stigma and you just understand like, oh, when somebody's judging me or when somebody like passes, you know, that sort of like negativity towards me, you know, whether it's mockery, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, it's almost just like, oh, like this person just doesn't know. And that's okay. Like we just have to work on their knowledge on this. You know, it's almost it's almost um, you almost view them like immature in a sense. In a sense, almost like you would view a child. Right? It's like, oh, the child doesn't really mean what they're saying because they don't know anything. Um, you know, that's that's how to really equate the stigma. That's how how it appears in my life today. That makes so much sense to me. And Matt, when you're talking about how the people in your group they understand uh, mental health on an aspect or area that you do. One of the hardest parts of my life, uh, you know, happened a few months ago and I dropped 95% of my friends and I'm going to be the first one to say that was not healthy. Do not do that. But I think what triggered me the most to like do that and feel like they didn't care was the fact that even though they did care and they do anything to me and I've recently learned that, I just feel I just feel like they weren't as in touch as with mental health as I was. And that really was a big setback for me because you know, in times like that you just want a shoulder to lean on, shoulder to cry on, a hug or something. And I just felt so isolated and maybe that was my fault, but I just felt like that I couldn't reach out to them because they weren't and you didn't they didn't see it as I did. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
first of all, I wouldn't put any blame on yourself. You know, like we're all in vulnerable parts of our lives at different times. And I think to your point, it's actually really it's something I struggled with when I was first coming to getting more clarity of my, with my life and like my mental health was there are people, again, people have to be willing to change or willing to listen. And we can't force that. So I can talk someone's ear off, but if they, if, if they are set that, you know, what I'm saying doesn't hold a lot of weight, I could say the smartest, most intelligent, most thoughtful, compassionate thing in the world. And their views are going to remain completely unchanged. So, um, I think empathy is a skill. I think it's requires, um, uh, it requires active listening. Like it's not just something you do, it's something you actually have to be present for. Um, and I would encourage you to not beat yourself up over it. Um, I'm sure you've learned a lot about yourself through this time and I, and I wish you nothing but the best and I'm sure your friends do as well. And like, I think the, the toughest thing as, especially for someone like your guys' age who are just so much more mature than your age is you're not going to be understood by everybody. And that's a really hard reality to accept. And oftentimes the journey of taking the higher road, uh, working on yourself, embracing discomfort, doing all those things is a lonely one. And that's I've, something I've learned, something I've struggled with is like, wow, not a lot of people see the world the way I do. And you know what, that's I'd rather still live that way, knowing I'm being true to who I am, than um, conforming and going back to the old ways to fit in with you, if you will, with another group of people. Um, that that's kind of how I would look at it. That makes so much sense to me. Thank you. That you're, but you guys talking is just helping me understand more about myself. Like you know, I, oftentimes I think like, oh, I know so much about like men's mental health and mental health as a whole, but then I bring a very, we bring a very strong group of men here and i'm like well this is so empowering to me because it some of the things you're saying i've never thought of and you guys are putting it in my brain it's like making me want to be a bigger and better person i mean alex how old are you uh 18 you're 18 years old alex when i was 18 years old i was getting can you swear on here <laughs> i was getting fucked up <laughs> uh with friends swear you know doing god knows what staying up till god knows when um, if anyone would have talked to me about my mental health, I would have told you you're a loser. I would have told you to never talk to me again. So you are, you guys are so far wise beyond your age. Um, you are not going to be understood by everybody. But you guys are also going to change. You guys are already changing the world. And you guys are going to continue to have such a broader and more positive impact on this world than 99% of those kids that are telling you that you're not good enough or what are, why are you doing this. So I just encourage you to stay true to yourself, keep doing what you guys are doing and just know that you're on the right path and one that's going to serve and help a lot of people. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that was everything you're saying is beautiful, but I want to transition from this because I could go on and on and on about it. And I have a question for you, Matt, specifically. Um, being a part of the LGBTQ community and as a man, is there a double bind when it comes to mental health? Um, in other words, did you have increased mental health struggles coming out? And was it with family, friends, or so with like social life? Uh, can you go into more depth on uh, if there was an increased uh, mental health struggle and if you had them before? Yeah, I mean, 
you know, being in a fraternity, a very masculine, uh, alpha environment. Uh, Why do we do that to ourselves? Yeah, like <laughs> being being in that environment does not scream, you know, you can be, I, I put it this way, there's was however many people in a fraternity, no one was openly out. And, you know, 20% of whatever the stats say of people are LBGTQ. So I wasn't alone, but I felt extremely alone because it wasn't accepted in that environment. I was an athlete growing up. I played sports. Again, not a, a very masculine alpha type environment, not a, again, there's what, like two openly uh, gay or bi, whatever it is, football players in the NFL. There's 300, however many NFL players, the math doesn't add up there. So on top of, yeah, it, of course, being in a minority group of people, yes, being a man and and putting myself in the environments that I did, um, re like, of course, if I grew up in with other gay friends, with other um, with, with family members that were like that way, like, I think my life would have been very different, but when I grow up with, um, and again, my family was support, I always knew they'd be supportive, but when you grow up with friends that are homophobic, friends, parents that are openly homophobic, like in a er, in a time in my life, when you really want to fit in as a kid, I quickly self-abandoned myself. So like, sub, I think even subconsciously, like, cause I didn't even know who I was at the time. Um, because I wanted to fit in and I learned so quickly that being anything other than straight was, was, and I kid you not disgusting, wrong, embarrassing, shameful, like get out of the house kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, it certainly exacerbated, um, my mental health struggles. Um, but in doing that, I always like to, you know, caveat it by saying is like, my life is so, so beautiful now and I wouldn't change a thing about it. And I encourage anyone that's struggling with with this same topic. Um, I I feel for you so deeply. But um, if and when you gain the strength to um, take that next step, just understand that life is going to get so, so much more real, so, so much more beautiful, so much more purposeful. Um, so just stay strong. You know, without being a part of that community, like I'm not I'm not gay, bi or whatever. I, I've never really had an understanding of what it's really like to come out. And that's huge to me, knowing that you have this certain situation and you are able to now speak so freely on it when there was a time where you didn't think you ever would be able to do it. And this is just another, one of, another time of me saying that I'm super proud of you. Uh, thank you. I, I, I never take that stuff for granted when people like, you know, when people acknowledge it, it still means a lot. And there are people like I, I'm, I'm healing, I like to say that piece of me, like I am I, there, it's, it's still a, an open wound, if you will. I'm not like, it, by any means, like, totally, totally comfortable with my sexuality. You know, I went out with a day on, on my first date with a guy last week, or two weeks ago, like that came with a lot of fear. And that's why I say embrace that fear and do it anyway, because I my heart was telling me to do it. Was it the best date? No. But did I learn a lot about myself? Absolutely. Did I gain confidence in who I am and like what I'm looking for in someone? Absolutely. So um, keep pushing and uh, just understand, yeah, it's it's still overcome what you think is the, the biggest hurdle ever, which it was, 
But what you don't fail to realize is then I have to actually live that truth or I want to live that truth. And that comes with its own set of challenges. So there's always going to be challenges in life. And we always say this, like, choose your hard. Life is going to be hard either way. It's going to be hard if you choose to suffer. And this is just me being kind of the, the harsh reality. If you choose to, you know, repress emotions and continue to um, live that way. Life is going to be hard when you accept who you are and you take you the route that's only meant for you. That path is going to be lonely um, at times, but it's going to also going to be more fulfilling, more beautiful um, and let you live a life full of love and not hate. Thank you. Um, what would your message to men who are struggling to reach out for help be? Go ahead. Punchy question. My advice for men who are struggling to reach out for help. Oh, geez. Um, do you want me oh, to do it? You want me to answer? I mean, I, I guess, yeah, maybe you can go. Yeah, I'll go. I mean, what I would say is, you know, I, I go to the why, right? And if I had to generalize as to why a man would struggle to ask for help, it's because they're, um, they're not as exactly thrilled to show what they perceive as a weakness. And um, there's a quote, one of the, the leaders I have worked with, who um, has been a mentor to myself, who lives and dies by this quote, which is, you know, asking for help is a sign of strength and not a weakness. And so, you know, you have to, for a man who struggles to ask for help, they're still at a place where they're so conditioned by your typical definitions of masculinity and, and the social expectations of us. And so in some ways you have to kind of meet them where they're at and speak their language and you have to help them understand why that would be a sign of strength. And you would almost have to frame it as like, hey, this is a fear of yours. Um, you know, let's let's just forget about the fact that you need help right now for a second. Let's just understand that right now you're being held back by a fear and it's stronger to actually overcome that fear than it would be to let it dominate you and dictate your behavior. And so that would be the best way that I would try to level with a man who is caught in a place where they struggle to ask for help. Um, struggle, you know, there's no friction to asking for help tangibly, right? There's not a brick wall you actually have to move through. It's, it's, it's likely fear and insecurity. Uh, and so that's, I think that's how I would go about that. Yeah, I, I think that's a great answer. I think part of it is a fear of, uh, again, the stigma of associated with being perceived as quote unquote weak for asking for help. The other piece is a fear of addressing whatever it is that you're looking to get help for, like that, you know, deep down, you need that you can't deal with this problem alone, um, facing that and addressing it, because I'm only speaking from my personal experience, is extremely fearful. And it's so much easier to just repress it and suppress whatever it is and go on with your day. Unfortunately, that voice in your head doesn't go away. It gets louder and louder and louder. And so I think part of it, to, to MD's point, is the stigma associated with asking for help, especially for men and it per being perceived as weak, I think, I think we're making steps in the right direction on that front. And um, I think we just need more men out there that are open about not being all right and asking for help. Because I can only speak from my personal experience. I've had so many people reach out to me or open up to me, men, because they're like, wow, like I've seen you, you know, share your who you are. And it's like, I feel comfortable to do the same. So for any men out there that that are comfortable with you know that with their experiences like lead with lead with lead by example like i think that's all we can do like for me it's i, I feel very comfortable doing it 
So I'm going to lead by example, lead with vulnerability. But I understand that there's a lot of people that aren't in because I wasn't at one point in my life. And so I think them, partly what MD said and partly it's just the, the fear of actually facing what you need to face, which is extremely uncomfortable, extremely scary. Um, but it's also the only path to healing. You can't you can't bury something so deep that it goes away. Um, it just doesn't work. If it does, if anyone was able to do that, like, please send me a message. Like you, you, you figured it out that something no, no one else did. Um, but unfortunately, like you can't just bury things, bury things away. They always come back. They rise from the dead, if you will. And so, um, you just got to address it head on, which is, which is scary. And, and impart that on the consequences of inaction, right? That's the sales tactic is help them understand the consequences over a long period of time of doing nothing about it, right? And what that ends up doing to how you behave around people. You're a less better husband, you're a less better father, you're a less better brother, right? It Because you show up as who you are, you know, and your emotions and what you're bearing is going to show up. And so you might have a temper tantrum, you might verbally abuse your partner, right? And so like you might do things as a consequence of inaction, of not receiving that help in these men we typically want to provide and help other people will understand that it is a selfless thing. It's almost selfish not to work on yourself. It's selfless to work on yourself and be the best self that you can be for those that you care and love about. So that's another way that I would try to translate it to a man. Yes. Lastly, it is because you brought up, it is selfish, you know, and I get it. It's hard. So I'm not, but it is more selfish to not ask for help. Um, like asking for help is selfless because at the end of the day, like, Madeline, I'm sure you want to help anyone that you can. Like Alex, I'm sure you want anyone to, that would help anyone that would come to you. We all want to help people, but the only way we can help people is if they're willing to share. So um, that is a help, you know, asking for help is a very selfless act as well. And to wrap this up before I pass you guys back to Madeline, <laughs> if, you had, if you had one message for people struggling, what would it be? It's okay, and you're not alone. I mean, I keep it simple. I, you know, I could go on a tangent about you know everything, but um, I think it. I think it's quite literally that simple. It is normal to be struggling. We are human beings. Um, it is not something to be ashamed of. And it, and saying just saying those words, "Hey, I'm not okay," is something you should be proud of. Now you have to. Now it's our responsibility to act on these things and like choose to get help or whatever it is that we need the resources that we need um but you're not alone um what an opportunity um to accomplish something grand right to overcome a struggle this is your mountain that you have to climb you've been presented with a mountain you get to climb and for any mountain climber that reached the top of the mountain they understand that measurement of success and how they were able to accomplish their own feat and everyone's mountain is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be shaped a little bit differently, but we all have that to Matt's point. It's normal to have one. Um, but that you view the challenge, you view the struggle as an opportunity. You reshape it and put it in a positive light and you see it as an opportunity to grow, to learn something from it. You know, you think about people who talk about their failures and learnings from their failures, right? Well, a struggle, a dark place, a rock bottom, just means that there's only up to go and what an awesome opportunity to create a story that you can be proud of and then you know do what we're doing which is help tell the story of how we climbed a mountain to help somebody feel inspired to do the same absolutely and before you know you go back and madeline closes this um i don't know if you guys know this feeling but it's like 
let's say it's like 2 a.m. in your house and you have this thought where you're like, oh, I'm going to start going to the gym. I'm going to have better health. You get out of bed. You start pumping out push-ups. You think that that's the day you're going to like change your life around. Hearing you guys talk makes me want to be more like you. And yeah, you guys can say, yeah, we have our struggles. But the positive impact you guys have brought into my life by speaking for an hour and five minutes has genuinely changed my life. And I am going to start, you know, I'm going to, everything you've said is going to impact my life starting today. Well, you know, I'll just say that the part of what we're doing is, um, best way to put this, but because of how we live, you know, we live, we lead with love, you know, it's for everybody. And, you know, it does feel like a minority at times in what we're trying to do, but you're welcome to that circle, right? Like we're always, I think the beautiful part about technology today is regardless of where you're based, um, we can be in touch. We can continue to have these conversations. We can continue to be connected in some ways where you're often reminded of, you know, a presence that helps you and, and whatever that is, right? And I think it's been, I think, I won't speak for Matt, but it's been inspiring again to call out your guys' age and thinking about where I was when I was 18 or 19 years old. Um, so that gives us like, really good or gives me rather assurance that the arrow is green that we're doing the right things that this is becoming and gaining more traction as it should be uh i'll say something quickly alex man you got this you got this you're 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 a superstar uh i mean that with my whole heart you're 18 years old think about i'm 28 uh 10 years from now you're going to be changing thousands and thousands of lives if not millions so um, keep up the good work. I appreciate all the kind words. It, it means the world, but, but you're on just such an unbelievable and beautiful path and, uh, please stay in touch. You know, I'm happy to do whatever I can to support you both. Madeline, you know that already, but thank you, <sighs> Madeline, you got this. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Seriously. I knew that you, I, I knew that this would be perfect for like having Alex and everything because, I mean, I don't, I didn't know Alex from Adam, you know, like he, like he reached out through the account, like 2022 and I needed that like male presence to bring like men's mental health and all that kind of stuff. in, And he's just been perfect. And we've had like, you know, we've built a connection, built a friendship and it's been really cool to kind of, you know, see each other grow and develop. And I have had like a really rough couple of months. Seriously though, I, I, everything that you guys said today was awesome. And um, especially speaking about, you know, like your college experience and, and how, you know, sometimes you felt like you had to be this and you had to be that, or you were, you know, getting whatever. And, and that's really important. I think for people, especially our age who are going through college and doing those things now to hear, because I tell Alex all the time, I joke with him all the time. And I'm like, Alex, I am never going to find a boyfriend that like <laughs> doesn't like only care about that kind of thing. Like it's, it's a joke because it's like, you know, I like, I will not hang out with guys because they no, don't you guys are so care. much wiser than your age. So they, yeah. they just, they don't care about the things that I care about. And I'm just like, I don't trust you. I think you're a liar. Like you are showing no interest in the right things. And so that's just like a big joke, but you explained that perfectly about, you know, how that's, so yeah, we, it's, it's a little tough, like being in this, you know, in this, um, kind of different world from people that are our age but I would not trade it for anything and I would not trade some you know like college experience of drinking and partying and all that for this and that is 100% for sure I will let you guys now go ahead and um just kind of like I'm gonna put all of your social medias and things in the description but you guys can kind of you know how's the best where's the best place to reach you and things like that um and that way other people can get in touch with you guys as well yeah um 
you see the the sign if you're watching the video the the spotify name is men in the arena with matt kavachis and md same thing on apple podcasts we also have a youtube channel that we kicked off a month or so ago a tiktok that's still in the works um but you can find us on all the major platforms i don't remember which episode madeline's is i think it's like somewhere in the 10 to 15 range maybe 14 but anyway it has madeline's name on it so go listen to that one um and reach out I, at least you know i speak for myself I, i'm I, i'm willing to speak with anyone and anyone that wants to learn more about what we do is looking for another person to lean on want someone to listen to to be listened to like i i, I truly mean that so um i also just want to say thank you both so much not only for having us on here but just for the work you guys are doing um like i said it's it's much, much needed work, especially in kind of the demographic that you guys are in. Again, like I was just so disconnected from myself and mental health when I was your guys' age. So um, a genuine just thank you guys for both for what you're doing. Yeah, we I'll appreciate just, you. I'll just add on, keep climbing that mountain, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I always try to, what, what, what was I? Oh man. Last week, I, I'm always so ill prepared because usually we do these like telling the story lives and we try to end them with a quote and I sometimes come prepared and sometimes I don't. <laughs> but so I don't, I don't have a quote for like off the top of my head. I have um, a quote. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> it's my background. It's been really, I've shared it a couple of times, but it's been really transformational for me recently. Um, as I kind of like start taking like a lot more risk and embracing discomfort but it's fear kills more dreams than failure ever will i love that i love I'll, that I'll, I'll share one as well we'll let that one ruminate for a second yeah, it's a great one um but you can either be normal or you can be insanely interesting that's one that really sits with me is you know i mean we talked about authenticity and living true to yourself and we talked about shedding 95 percent of our social circle <laughs> like so uh, yeah you can either be normal or insanely interesting i love it i love it you guys seriously are so inspiring and i'm honestly just super glad that we have been able to obviously connect and things like that so before i end it i just want to say everyone who's listening please seriously go check out their podcast um how often do you guys drop an episode uh, once a week, every Thursday. Oh, and the Instagram is at the men in the arena and then with two underscores. Okay. Yeah. So you guys go listen to their podcast. They obviously have amazing things to say, as you can hear. And we appreciate you, you know, listening and being here with us. We hope everyone has a great week and we send you all away with good wishes. Bye. <laughs>